Well, good morning, Awakening Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So good to be with you. If you're new, we're glad to have you. My name's Ryan Ingram, and I get the joy of uh, leading this community here. Uh, you're at our very first ever 9.30 a.m. service, uh, which, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, there's an old tradition that goes back when uh, Christians gathered. They used to say it all the time, and today we normally do it around Easter where uh, whoever's leading will say, He is risen, and then the audience response will say, He's risen. Oh, you've heard of it. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Huh. Well, let's try that out then. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's what we come to celebrate this morning. And for some of you that aren't churched, or maybe you just uh, show up on church only at Easter, which is fair, you probably think we only talk about one thing. Um, so I'm going to talk about a little, something a little bit different this morning. It's about Jesus, don't worry, those of you that are like, what are we talking about? Uh, this morning I want to talk about the story of grace and the fable of fairness. It, isn't it true that there are certain things that you could get away with as a kid that as a kid was cute, but as an adult really isn't okay at all. I mean, just think about it. And, and some of you don't have to think too far because you have some people in your life that still are acting like kids, you know? And you're like, yeah, that's not cute. That's called irresponsible. Uh, my son, uh, for example, I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old daughter, a seven-year-old boy, and a um, four-year-old boy. And my middle son, who's seven, uh, at the time was five, and we had guests coming over to our house. And, and the guests coming over to the house, so we're trying to get ready, clean the house, and just, all we asked him to do was get dressed. You know, that's all. Just get dressed. So he's in the bathroom. The water's running. He's been in there probably a half an hour. And I go in, and, and a little bit flabbergasted, if I'm honest, and I open the door, and there he's standing naked, you know? And I'm, go, and I'm just like, Ryder, how are you still naked? Get dressed. And then he looks at me with all the sincerity that a five-year-old boy can muster and says, Dad, I'm not naked. I have socks on. Because <laughs> there's something about being five that the wearing of socks takes away your nakedness, you know? But, but, if he was 15 or 50, that's no longer okay, right? That's no longer cute. In fact, that might even be criminal. Um, <laughs> And here's what we know. We all recognize and understand this, that part of growing up, part of growing up is growing out of certain uh, ways of thinking, certain ways of believing, certain behaviors. Uh, just part of growing up is, is growing out of these ways of thinking about doing stuff, growing out of ways about believing, things that you believe in or ways that you behave. Uh, and, and the reality is, is, what I find interesting is even though that's true, and even though we see in like some real clear examples how, well, obviously, we, we grow out of that. We no longer think just wearing socks 
is okay when guests come over. There are still things, there are still things that we buy into and believe in that we bought into as kids that shape us up into this very day. Isn't it interesting that no matter how sophisticated you become, no matter how educated uh, you are, no, no matter how mature you are, there are still things that you bought into or believed or thought as a kid that still influences and impacts you today. For some, there is the reality that you are living out a story that your parents told you, and you're trying to prove your dad or your mom or that coach wrong. And you're still living out that story, still buying in. And that story is shaping and influencing you today. One of the things that is influencing us, I, I think almost every single one of us, is what I call the fable of fairness. It, it, it is the fable of fairness, and fairness is simply this. To be fair is to get what you deserve. And we all buy into this, and we weren't, we weren't even taught the fable of fairness, right? It, it, fairness, getting what you deserve, having things equal, that we weren't even taught to, that we needed it. It just came intuitively. And, and this idea continues to shape and influence us even to today. I can go back to a story about my kids. Like in, in my house, uh, I didn't teach my kids that things needed to be fair, you know, no one, I never taught them, you know, uh, that like everyone needed to get equal portions. Here's, uh, you know, if we get ice cream, they are measuring, right? They're measuring exactly how much ice cream each one of them gets, you know? So three is like, okay, did you get enough? And you, you got to make sure the bowl size is the same size. Anybody have to do that, right? Because if they have a bigger bowl, they have a bigger bowl, they got more. No, I get the same amount, my mom, literally, she's here, I, uh, she would literally get a measuring cup and measure out stuff for us boys because we wanted it to be fair. We do that with, you know, whether it's staying up late. It, it runs so deep. Uh, my, my, my son, we were the other day in the garage. It runs so deep. We're trying to pump up uh, this uh, soccer ball, and as we're in there, he sees his old fishbowl the kids had. And he looks at it and says, Dad, that fishbowl makes me sad. I'm like, well, why, son? No, his fish died like four years ago. <laughs> well, because Ella's fish killed my fish. <laughs> and then he says this, without taking a breath, because it's so hardwired into his DNA. But thankfully, her fish died. <laughs> Because that wouldn't be fair. Now, we can get it and see it in a kid and go, okay, there's things that you grow out of. There's ways of thinking. There's ways of believing that you grow out of. But what's interesting is that there's certain things that become the undercurrent or the narrative of our life that we don't grow out of that have been shaping us ever since we were kids. The fable of fairness is this, and this is how it shows up in our lives today. If only life was fair, 
then my life would be good. If only life was really fair, then my life would work out right. You know, if I really work hard, then I'll get the promotion that I should get. If I really work hard, then I should be successful. You know what? If I'm really a good person, then I should have a great marriage. I should have that family. I'll drive the right car or have the right house. You know, if I'm really nice, then then people shouldn't take advantage of me. And we begin to live out this thing. If only life was fair then my life would be good. And and then it comes into our conversation with God. Right? It it begins to come into our conversation with God where we say this, if I'm a good person, God will love me. Because if it's fair, if it's really, really fair, then if I do what's right, then he'll accept me. If I do what's right, if I'm really a good, good person, then he'll have to want me. But then we gotta ask this question. What if, what, if, what, if, what if life really is fair? What if we really did get what we deserve every single time? I mean, just think about it. What if, what if every single time that you sped, you got a speeding ticket? Because that would be fair. It would. Come, come on now. Yeah. Now, no, but that's the problem. That's the problem of fairness, right? We want life to be fair as long as it's favorable for us. If I'm really honest, I don't necessarily want to get what I deserve all the time. I just want you to get what you deserve all the time. <laughs> Sounds like you feel the same way. (laughs) See, I like fairness as long as it's favorable for me. But when it's no longer favorable for me, then I want something different. In fact, I really need something different. And then we got to ask this question, perhaps a bigger question. What if God's really fair? I mean, what if he actually gives you and me what we deserve? What if, what if good people really do go to heaven and bad people don't? I mean, we've got to ask this question. How good then is good enough? If God's going to treat us fair, how good do we have to be? I mean, does he have this scale and we kind of, good deeds over here and bad deeds over here and we just kind of wrestle back? Is, is there this grade? Does he grade on a curve? Are some things worse and some things better? I mean, wouldn't it be the most tragic of things? to? I mean, just think about this. To get to heaven and God go, you missed it by one. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd utter this. We'd go, God, that's not fair. But... It's precisely fair. 
See, there's this uh, passage in the Bible that tells us what would happen if God was fair. It, it tells us what would happen if he said, I'm going to give you exactly what you deserve. It's this passage in Romans, Romans 6, 23. It says this, it starts off, it says, the wages. You know, you, we all know what a wage is. We all work. A wage is your fair compensation for work done, Right? It is just simply the reward or what you've earned for what you've done. It is fair compensation. He says this, for the wages of sin. Now, now I know that's a religious term and it scares some of us. Let me, let me just explain that. You know what sin is? Sin is simply missing the mark or falling short of the standard of goodness. Falling short of God's standard of goodness. It's just simply missing that mark, not measuring up to God's standard of goodness. And here's what I know about me. I don't even measure up to my standard of goodness, let alone God's standard of goodness. Here's what I know about you. Take this gently, okay? You don't measure up to your own standard of goodness, let alone God's standard. Here's how I know it, because I, I, I'm pretty confident every single person in this room has uttered this phrase, I am sorry. It's this public confession, this declaration. I didn't measure up or meet the standard which I have for myself of what is good and is what is right for me. And, and so here's what God says. For the way, just fair compensation of sin, not measuring up, not me meeting the standard of goodness of God's standard. And then he says this, and this is kind of harsh. Is death. Now, death in the Bible always means this separation. Just means separation. All sin, not measuring up to a standard of goodness, brings separation, whether it's between another human being or between God. We get this. This is relationally, this happens all the time. When you don't meet your standard of goodness, what you've agreed on in a relationship, it brings separation. If you cheat on your mate, it brings separation. If you gossip, it brings separation between you and a friendship. All sin, whether it's between a human being or God, brings some level of separation. So if God is fair, if God really treats us fair, he says this. And I, and I know, I mean, it's Easter Sunday, we're just supposed to be, he's alive, let's get out, and it's a little intense, okay. I got it. I can see you feel that. He says, if I'm really fair, and if we want to live in the world of fairness, the reality is, is it brings separation. And you and I experience it in relationship all the time. And it happens with our relationship with God. Now, thankfully, thankfully, there's another story 
There's another storyline, and at the foundation of this storyline is the foundation of every single great relationship, both uh, for uh, us, like, relationally with one another and with God. In fact, I just encourage you, the relationship principle underneath this is so powerful, it will change your relationship, even if you don't buy into the whole God thing, although I don't know if you can do it if you don't. But this is so powerful, because if, if the fable of fairness is simply getting what you deserve, then the story of grace is getting what you don't deserve. The story of grace says this, that every single great relationship sacrifices fairness for the sake of love. Every single great relationship at some point has to say, I'm not going to get what I deserve and I'm not going to give you what you deserve for the sake of I love you. I love you. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. Every single great relationship does this. And love is simply this. Love is not a feeling, by the way. Love is a verb. And here it is. And I stole this definition from my dad, and it's a good one. Love is giving another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. That's all, uh, at great personal cost. That's what love is. Love, now think about this, just let's do this uh, in human relations real quick. Think about whoever is closest to you, whether that is a, a mate, whether that's a friend, whether that's a parent. When you utter the phrase, I love you, what you're saying is I will give to you what you need the most in the moments when you deserve it the least even though it comes at great personal cost to me. That is the story of grace. That is the foundation of every great relationship. If we flip through further to Romans 5, we can unpack this story, the story of grace if you got your Bibles, we're going to spend a moment here this morning. Where we find this story of God sacrificing fairness for the sake of love for you and me. And what does it look like? And what is he inviting us into? Romans 5, verse 6 says this. You see... At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love is giving the other person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. The story of grace Great relationships sacrifice fairness, what you deserve for the sake of love, giving you what you don't deserve. Now, I love how this starts out. It, it, listen, look at it. You see, at just the right time, and in the story, if we're following the fable of fairness, the right time is when you get your act together. 
The right time is when you shape up. When relationships are based on fairness, by the way, it kills every single relationship because you're waiting. The right time is when you finally show up because you're waiting. Okay, it's a tit-for-tat mentality. You did this, now I'll do this. If you don't do this, then I'm over here. And we experience it all the time. It happens constantly. It destroys relationships, doesn't it? Fairness often kills relationships because it begins to alienate you because we constantly violate that standard of goodness. Love is decidedly unfair. He says at just the right time. I love when the right time for God was. The right time wasn't when you had it all figured out. The right time, he says, when what? You notice what the word says there? This is like the response time, yeah. This, you can read, read out loud, that's good. What, what does it say? When you're still what? We have different translations we speak in, in tongues, I'm not sure. <laughs> what, still what? Powerless. Powerless. Isn't that incredibly offensive? I mean, just think about it. God's saying the right time is when you're powerless and our natural response, my natural response, no. Uh, I'm not powerless. Especially if we buy into the fable of fairness and we're trying to good our way to God. I'm not powerless. You see the things that I can do. I'm not powerless. I'm still working my way here. I can do things, Ingram. This is a lie. This week, uh, my, uh, my wife was dropping off the kids at, at school, and so our youngest is with her, and he's not in school yet. He's four and as she's going back to the parking lot, she runs into some people, and she's talking, and Miles uh, finds a rock in the parking lot about this big. And um, I, I honestly don't know what got in his head, uh, but he's in the parking lot, and he sees this rock, and he throws it as high as he can in the air, and he's pretty strong, by the way. He's, uh, he's only four, but he's pretty strong. I asked him later, I said, son, what were you thinking? And he's like, I was trying to hit the moon. Aww. No, uh. <laughs> well, he missed. <laughs> and it was daylight anyways. There's no moon. <laughs> this rock, well, similar rock, did not hit the moon, but landed on a brand new Audi. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Right on the hood. Yeah. It hits the hood, bounces, hits the hood again, and actually lodges, and Jenny couldn't find it, but it lodged underneath the windshield and the hood. And I mean, it just left some pretty gnarly dents. Um, my wife left a note. It's a good, responsible citizen. I'm sure you all would have, and... I hope I would have in that moment. <laughs> and so we get a phone call from uh, the guy, and he calls. He's like one of the most nice, I, I, this guy was so nice. He's like apologizing to me, you know. We're on the phone, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. He's like, no, man, I, you know, if it wasn't the new car, if it was my car, I wouldn't have you have to pay for it. But it's, I mean, it's literally, it's literally brand new. 
Audi, you know. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'll pay for it. I don't know how I'll pay for it, but I'll pay for it. Um, Hang up the phone. Now imagine, if you would, with me. A couple days later, if Miles... All of a sudden, it gets real quiet in his room around my house with boys. If it's quiet, it's not good, you know. And so, I, what's he doing? And so, I go into the bedroom and see that he's cleaning his room. I'm like, man, that's great. I mean, he's doing a tip-top shave. It looks great. Son, what, you're cleaning your room. What a great job. He says, yeah, Dad. Did I pay for the Audi? I can say all oh, too, but... But the answer is no. Cleaning your room didn't pay for the Audi. Was it good? Absolutely. Do I want to see you do it again? Yes. We can make a habit of this. But it doesn't pay for the Audi. It doesn't pay for the damages. So maybe a little bit later he goes out and he's cleaning up the backyard, begins to rake, and I mean at four years old, he's a real smart kid, so he gets out and he starts cleaning my car. I'm like, this is terrific, four years old. Man, dad, does it pay for the Audi? No. It doesn't. I'm sorry, son. I wish it did, but it doesn't. See, at four years of age, he can do something that he cannot pay for. He is utterly powerless to pay for the Audi. No amount of good work and all the things that he does, it doesn't mean it's not good, by the way. It just means it will never take care of the damage that's already been done. That's what this word means. It says, you see, at just the right time when you are powerless. It just means that in and of ourselves, where we're at, we're in, sit in the same position as Miles with the Audi. We need a dad to pay for what we've done. He says, just at that time, in that moment, the reason we celebrate Easter is in that moment, at our darkest moment, in our most hurting and hopeless space, God sent his son to this planet to pay for what we could never pay for. I love how this verse ends. It says, but God demonstrates his love for you. I mean, just think about this. The God of the universe loves you, longs to be with you. The God of the universe would sacrifice fairness for the sake of love, would send his son in your place. God demonstrates his love for you in this. While we were yet sinners, while we were the ones who we threw the rock, said, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. See, the story of grace can be summed up in this one sentence. At our very worst, God gave his very best. Grace. Grace 
invites you into a relationship with the God of the universe. Grace, grace declares in this moment that you are fully loved and nothing you can do will ever earn that or change that. Grace, grace calls you to come as you are. You don't have to figure things out. You don't have to get it all fixed up. There's nothing you can do that will even help that. Grace says, I've paid for that. I've paid for that. See, Miles actually, what's interesting, Miles actually doesn't realize or can't comprehend how much this is going to cost me. And I don't know either. Friday, I'm going to find out. (laughs) And I'm real nervous. Miles doesn't fully get the sacrifice his dad's going to have to make to pay for his. And it was just a mistake. That's all. It was just a mistake. Fundamentally, at the core of Easter is this. And why we celebrate it and why we, if we only had one message that we could teach every single Sunday, it would be this one. As Easter is about God paying for our dents and cars. Saying, I got it covered, son. I got it covered, daughter. It's an invitation into the story of grace. Part of growing up is growing out of certain ways of thinking, believing, and behaving. There's two narratives, two stories that we can buy into the fable of fairness the story of grace. In a single moment, you can step into the story of grace, friends. And I just invite you now. I'd invite you now. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, if you've been buying into, man, I'm I'm just going to good my way to God, or I'm just going to kind of get through life, Maybe you didn't know there's another option to grace your way to God. Maybe you didn't know that God loves you even in those moments where you don't like you. God pursued you even when you were running from him. Maybe you didn't know that that all you had to do was respond to his invitation. You didn't have to somehow get things figured out and shape up your life or do any of those sort of things. But now you do. Now you do. I'd invite you to step into the story of grace in this moment. And how you do that is real simple. You just simply agree with God about about your own dents you've made and that you can't fix them on your own. 
You, you just go, God, yeah, I, I've, I've made some messes. Will you forgive me? And, and then you say, I believe that the, you sent Jesus, this whole Easter deal, that Jesus came and took my place. He paid for the dents. And he came back to life that I might experience life to the full. And you just call and ask God, will you do that in me? And so if you would, would you guys just pray with me? And prayer is just simply a conversation with God. That's all it is. In this moment where you'd pray, and if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you never asked God to take the dents and pay for those, if you've never stepped into the story of grace, I'd invite you in this moment to do so. And you can just pray quietly in your heart. It's an honest conversation. You can repeat after me if you want. You just talk to God on your own, but I'll lead you through this little prayer. God, I, I agree with you that I can't fix my life. I can't fix our relationship. I need help. Will you please forgive me? I desperately need you. In in this moment, I want to step into the story of grace. And I believe that that Jesus took my place, that I might have a relationship with you, experience new life. Will you come into my life and make me new? In Jesus' name, amen. And scripture tells us when you believe in that work, grace says you've stepped into a new story.